Good morning, Door of Hope. I'm Vivian Parker, and I'm a member here at Door of Hope. And I'm going to read the scripture to you this morning. It is found in Psalms 126, and it's verses 1 through 6. A Song of Ascents. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Lord, bless the reading of his word. Uh, well, my name is Cameron. Uh, I would love to meet you if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet. Um, I'm one of the pastors here, freshly one of the full-time pastors here, which is great to say. Um, so, uh, this church began, Door of Hope Northeast began as a, as a church plant. It still is a church plant from another church, Door of Hope Southeast, which is, I guess now about 13 years old. Planted in Northeast Portland, has since moved to Southeast Portland over the years. And some of you, not all of you, but many of you were kind of part of that initial core group as, as you know, Josh White, lead pastor of Door of Hope Southeast, has had this really, I think, compelling and beautiful biblical vision for uh, not just expanding the church into larger and larger buildings, chasing bigger and bigger and more expensive pieces of real estate, but in some form or another, seeing the people of God that make up Door of Hope actually multiplying out into smaller communities uh, around the city, uh, perhaps even you know, hitting the four quadrants of the city. And uh, we've, we, we took a couple of different attempts at that over the years, but it, it ultimately, uh, we ultimately landed in the arrangement that we have now, which is this vision of a family of churches that are distinct churches with their own leadership and hopefully their own culture that develops and their distinct communities, but a family that work together and support one another and, and, uh, and work together to see the gospel go out around the city. And, and so that's what we have. Uh, Door of Hope Northeast started March 1st, 2020, uh, and it was after a season of, of, you know, debating how to do this and what should it look like and praying, dreaming, and then many of you kind of coming in and being part of that group as we made that call. Like, who would be interested, available, willing to actually come and take this risk, go and start this thing, uh, start a new church in a city that's known as kind of a church planter's graveyard? Um, and we, you know, I remember having those every other week prayer meetings in this building. I remember prayer walking with some of you around this neighborhood. Uh, I remember lots of emails being sent out. I remember uh, excited conversations with many of you, some way before it even, we even had a name or even a basic framework for how this was going to work. Um, 
And on March 1st, we began, after all this buildup, as a, a group of, I think, 10 community groups, and then uh, a bunch of people in this building worshiping together, March 1st, 2020, and then worshiping together, March 8th, 2020. And then a global pandemic. <laughs> and then a global pandemic. We could not meet for worship the third week that we would have otherwise. Uh, we found ourselves in some really hard circumstances. Uh, we found ourselves in what seems to be about a once every hundred years global pandemic. Thankfully, we know more about the virus and the sickness, COVID-19, than we did then, but it's still frustratingly elusive and weird and politicized and uh, just, just weird, just wild, just difficult. And so when that happened, when, the, when Governor Brown issued that first stay-at-home order, I remember all of us kind of being like panicked. Uh, everyone was kind of like hunkering down, and, uh, but we knew no matter what kind of great sacrifices we'd have to make, it would just be for two weeks to slow the spread, <laughs> which we all took solace in. It's just two weeks. You, know, you can do anything for two weeks. <laughs> but we were immediately dispersed, uh, and I remember like, okay, well, this is, I don't know if there's any good books. I have this always a huge Amazon list of books that I'll, I'll, I'll buy when the day comes. I'm going to need that one day. And I didn't have any pandemic books on my, uh, in my back pocket that I could pull out. How do you pastor? How do you be a church member even, a faithful one, during a time like this? Lots of phone calls, lots of Zoom. I got my first Zoom subscription. I think maybe you Zoom for the first time that March lots of emails. I remember some of you were here. You remember we didn't, you know, because we thought it was just going to be two weeks, we didn't even try to do like sermons or video content or whatever. We said, why don't we just gather members from the community, leaders from our community, and we'll just do kind of an audio devotional podcast. And so if you go, you can go back and listen to those. It's wonderful hearing from probably 12, 15 different people from our community just reflecting on the gospel of John and the letters of John. That's a really sweet memory for me. Uh, but at some point, it became clear that as two weeks turned into four weeks, four weeks turned into six weeks, like, oh, we can't just kind of ride this out. We have to figure out what to do. And so uh, house churches meeting in backyards and community groups, both in person and over Zoom, became our primary means of gathering as a community. For over a year, we did not have weekly, regular gatherings in this building, which is wild to think about. Um, and that was crushing to me. Uh, not necessarily not being in the building, though I desperately wanted to be in the building, but, but crushing because for me, community and proximity to one another and f the, the idea of the, the church community as a family is mine and so many of your like, deepest ministry values and the way you want to see this church function after the Church of the New Testament. And to have that stripped from us in all kinds of ways was brutal. And that was just one part of the crazy, crazy year, crazy year and a half. We also had these twin issues that were on this massive scale of, of sort of the, this emotionally and spiritually intense reckoning with race and the state of criminal justice in our country, as well as significant violence and unrest and destruction in our, in our own city, both of which are still obviously underway right now, still having to be dealt with and thought through and wrestled with and trying to find biblical ground to stand on in the midst of so many competing voices. Uh, that's plenty. 
And then you have what is basically every church leader's worst nightmare under, under normal circumstances, which is a presidential election. Uh, just, th- just peppered right in there. Just, just peppered in there. And that's a first world problem to be stressing about how to navigate a presidential election, of course. That's, there are far worse things. But nonetheless, it was a lot of added stress in our community as people are trying to figure out how to talk about these things civilly and graciously and biblically and trying to figure out how to be in community with people who don't have the same politics um, in a city that really is pretty politically um, singular. So we could say more than that, but I think by all accounts, like we shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be here. Who in their right mind would plant into this? I wonder if, if I had known what exactly was coming a month ahead of time, if I would have said, hold the phone, pause it, shut the thing down, we'll pick this back up uh, later on. Um, that's probably what I would have done. And maybe some of you would have too. Maybe some of you would have said, I'm not going to take the leap to go be a part of this new thing. That's just too risky. Who knows if it's even going to be standing. That would have been reasonable. I had those thoughts. You had those thoughts. And we know that God, Jesus promises, he promised his disciples that he would build his church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against them. But you know what? That promise is not, it's not to sustain any and every individual church. Do you know that? Churches close their, close their doors every day and it's not because they've failed, it's not because the pastor did something horrible, it's not because the community wasn't spiritual enough. There are plenty of times when there's no good reasons. Faithful church, proclaiming Jesus, trying to love one another, trying to serve the city, and the door's just closed. And that's okay. That could have been our story. That could be our story in six months, or in a year, or in five years, or in 10 years. Even still, he will build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. I'm not entitled to be the pastor of this church. We're not entitled to this beautiful building. But even still, he will build his church. My point is that the days that we've had together and will continue to have together, whether it's five years, 10 years, 20 years, 100 years, I plan to be alive in 100 years. <laughs> I don't know about you. Um, however long it is, our days together are a gift. They're a gift from God. They have been a gift from God, and they will be a gift from God. And so we're going to take a three-week break from the Gospel of Mark to just take stock, again, of where we've been, to appreciate our opportunities at present, and to dream and to look ahead to what could be in the future. And I tried to think of just a really, like, creative and groundbreaking title for this series, but I just ended up with past, present, and future. (laughs) I failed utterly. Um, (laughs) That's what we got. It's the best I can do. Um, so we are 11 days removed from our exact one and a half year anniversary. September 1st would have been our, our one, our, was our one and a half year birthday as a church. And today we're just going to reflect on that short history together. And here, okay, literally together, and this is probably the scariest thing um, that, that maybe I've asked from all of you, but, uh, you know, at a service. But I actually, we're going to have a, a, a moment for people to share on the mic. And I haven't asked anyone ahead of time, so I'm asking you now. uh, In a few minutes, I'm going to open this up for just probably 10 minutes or so to let the community share, because I don't think I should be the only one verbally processing. We should do this together. So 
Start thinking. Start thinking. Memory you're grateful for from this time, and I'll explain it more in full. But, um, and if it's awkward and stuff, I'll just cut it out of the podcast and the video, and so there'll be no evidence that I, we, I know, risked here, and it was just awkward, and we all just sat in silence for three minutes, and then I said, well, I guess nobody else has a good memory. <clears throat> That's okay, too. But I'll just prep you now so you can start thinking about it. Okay. To set the table, um, I did want to just quickly look at that short psalm that Vivian read for us, Psalm 126. The psalm has anonymous authorship, uh, but it has the title, A Song of Ascents, and we have it on the slide. It says, A Song of Ascents. And that title is given to every psalm from 120 to 134, so there's uh, 15 psalms that carry that title. And we can't be exactly sure what it means. There's no, like, key in the Bible that says, here's what the songs of ascents are, the significance of that title. But a widely accepted view is that these were the psalms that were used by Israelite worshipers um, as they every year made their way to Jerusalem for the major religious feasts each year. That these would be the psalms that they would recite and sing together in expectation to go to the temple, the great city that surrounded the temple and worship. Um, These were likely psalms um, for that, and even if they weren't for that, they certainly would have been appropriate for that function. So let's read it again. Psalm 126, a song of ascents. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. So the relationship between the past, remembering the past, and hoping for the future is a key aspect here. And the first three verses recount a great moment of restoration from God. So we don't, we're not told exactly what it was, but they're words of joyful remembrance, and they're written down for future generations. And here we are, I don't know, 2,500 years later, the beneficiaries of that, of that writing down of this thing, for future generations to read, to remember, to find hope in, that God has done great things. And whatever the circumstance, God had restored Israel's fortunes in some way. And it was so good. It was like a dream. It's that slap yourself. Is the, could this actually be happening? The thing that God has done was so good, they just couldn't even believe it. It must be like a dream. Laughter followed, joy followed. Even the rival nations could not deny how faithful God had been to this people. The Lord has done great things for them. So that's the starting point, but then it transitions in verse four. The next three verses are, are using that remembrance to, uh, as a jumping off point to, to hope for, that God might do similar things in the future. If he's been faithful in the past, we know he'll be faithful in the future. We know he'll be faithful in the future. God will do great things again, even if there's suffering in the here and now. Because look at verse four. It says, restore our fortune. The, the psalmist is writing now in a time that the glory days are now, we've moved on from them. Now there's some other struggle, some other trouble. But even so, we know he has been faithful and he will be faithful again. 
And this is like a critical dynamic throughout the Bible. Um, it comes up time and time again. Uh, crucial for how we even think about the good news of Jesus. Romans 6, 5 says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Paul reminds us that even though Jesus died and we've had this spiritual death alongside him, you know what? The Lord raised him from the dead. Remember, Jesus walked out of the grave. And you know what that means? You can be certain that you will walk out of the grave too if you're in Christ. You can bank on it. We're, we're encouraged to look back on the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead. If he raised Jesus, he can and will raise us too. Or there's another passage that speaks of this idea that God has begun a good work in you and in me and all who are in Christ. And if he began that work, if it's true that he started that thing inside of you, he will complete it. He will complete it. He will be good in the future as well. And you know what? Christ had a first coming where he brought his kingdom in part. He said the kingdom of God is upon you. And if he had a first coming, you can be certain that he will have a second coming where that kingdom comes in full. In full. God, and the truth is, God wasn't only good at some point in the past. For some other people, he was good, and he is good, and he will be good. It's his nature. He can't be otherwise. So if you are in Christ, you can be certain he has good in store for you. Not in a pro weird prosperity gospel way, but in the fundamental nature of reality. The end of your story is glory with him and all things put right and life after death. So we could even say remembering and celebrating can be rightly thought of as a spiritual discipline, something that we commit to doing, something we have to make ourselves do in order to not lose sight of what God has done, in order to not forget his goodness because you know what? We do forget it. We do forget it. You can have the most dramatic prayer you've ever prayed answered tomorrow, and two weeks later you'll be going, why doesn't God ever answer my prayers? Is he even real? That's just what we do. So we have to discipline ourselves to remember and to celebrate, to not forget that we might praise him as he deserves. So I wanna just take a second with you all kind of publicly to just celebrate a few things. And I could, I could talk up here for hours and hours about all the things I'm, I'm grateful for about this community, all the things I've seen God do, uh, but I didn't wanna do that to you. I'm sure you wouldn't wanna hear it in this context. So I thought I'd just mention a few things in particular that came to mind. Um, one was, a lot of you didn't get to see this because you, you didn't get to sit in the seat I sit in in this community, which is, you know, getting a lot of emails and phone calls from people and um, kind of being one of those, I don't know, just kind of being connected to, to many people in the community. And one thing that I just will always remember was the way that this community stepped up for one another and at the start of COVID and even now. You know, we had so many people who reached out saying, hey, I want to be available. If there's anyone who needs, you know, money, financial, you know, needs finances, if there's anyone who needs me to go pick up groceries for them, if there's anyone who needs this or that, I want to do it. Um, and there are people who I know of, but you don't know because they wanted to do this anonymously, who said, hey, I, want, I, I have money to give. And then I would get emails from other people. I'd check in with people. Hey, are you doing okay? No, I'm actually struggling. I've actually lost my job. I actually don't know how I'm going to pay 
for this thing. And I was able to go to someone and say, hey, here's this person. And they would, you know, give me cash or whatever. And I just pocketed it because it's like, that's easy. No one will know. <laughs> Let's just keep this all off the books. Trust me, you're doing a very good deed. Now take my word for it. I did not pocket the money. I did not pocket the money. I was able to give these anonymous gifts to people in our church who needed them. And uh, in some cases, I could say, hey, this is from someone in the church because the person didn't want to be identified. They didn't want any credit or any glory for it. I have lots of stories like that. And then more specifically, you know, community groups coming around a family, community groups coming around a person, people just giving to our general benevolence fund. Hey, how can I give? Well, here's a good place to do it, and we're able to kind of support people as needed for the long term. For months and years to come, the money that some of you gave to that will be sitting there ready to be given in a moment of crisis. Thank you. That encouraged me. (laughs) That helped me believe those days and now. Like, maybe this Jesus stuff is real. Really did. Um, As, you know, to continue the theme I mentioned earlier, I just want to say thank you to all the amazing volunteers, which fundamentally are just teammates. Teammates of mine and Josh's and Darren's and Joel's. Um, We thank you for giving your time and your energy to us. You know, and especially in those first early months when I was the only one on staff. um, And praise God now for Josh and Darren. Um, but when I was the only one on staff to have people that I knew were invested and committed to shepherding their small groups, uh, to available for whatever we needed, you, you just don't know how, how much that helped me not feel isolated and alone. And that I could, I could know, even if it felt like it, like the weight of all this isn't only on my shoulders, but this is carried by this community of people who are invested. So we had people serving before and now for the last few months again in children's ministry, leading community groups and house churches, worship and tech, uh, the greeting team, the coffee team, which we all long for the day it returns. Once this Delta thing hopefully has slowed down, we will drink coffee together again. I promise you. I promise you that. The safety team, delivering meals through our meal trains, uh, partnering with our outreach partners or some other way. Now, this might be hokey, but we need to do it. If you served in any one of those kind of formal, even if it's, you know, doesn't feel formal, but any of those formal capacities, would you stand up for a second? You have to do it. I'm sorry. You have to do it. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you all. And I know, and just because you weren't standing up as part of that group, that doesn't mean you weren't invested when you hear that. I know that. But thank you. Thank you for giving your time, your energy, to make this stuff happen. Like, five staff people, ten staff people cannot do all that has to happen for a church community to be healthy. It's it's this network right here, people loving and serving and being there for one another. So thank you for being that. Um, Another sweet memory, I wish he was here, but he's not, but uh, a lot of you know Luis. He often sits up front. He's he's, uh, the one person who like calls and responses and you know is loud during worship uh, between two Door of Hope churches. So we're grateful for Luis. 
um, and if Luis, if you're watching online, I don't mean that facetiously, I mean it sincerely. Grateful for that. Um, uh, but Luis, a really sweet memory in particular was Luis, if you don't know, he's, he's, uh, his background, he's got a hard background, prison, gangs, drugs, violence, um, and he came to faith. He came to faith in part through Union Gospel Missions work downtown. And he graduated their program, he became a believer, he ended up coming on as kind of serving with their staff. And now he's a mentor to other men that come through that program off the streets uh, who, you know, this is kind of their last chance to get things together, possibly. And he disciples them. He cares for them. He loves them. He gives them a vision for the kind of life change that actually is possible through the gospel. And uh, the, the, the sweetest part of this was back in April when we did baptisms here with Door of Hope Southeast, Luis ended up having uh, three men from Union Gospel Mission that, uh, that gave their lives to, to Christ through, in part through Luis's influence, and Luis baptized them right there. It was so sweet. It was beautiful. It was so inspiring. And to see Luis, like, whose deepest desire is to be, you know, a, a, just a faithful servant of the Lord, to have that kind of visually, publicly, like, affirmed. Like, you have been faithful, Luis. The Lord has worked through you. It was, there was nothing better. There was nothing better. Uh, I also just want to mention just the generosity and graciousness of this community as a whole. As I mentioned before, the fact that we haven't had to shut our doors, I haven't had to start selling chairs on eBay or <laughs> Craigslist, I haven't had to uh, bring Josh on to let him go, I haven't had to cut my salary in half, I've been able to, we've been able to provide health benefits for my family, now for Josh's family. We've been able to continue to give monthly to our ministry partners. Been able to have benevolence money that we can give to people in need. Like, you all have been, that doesn't come out of nowhere. That's just this community being sacrificial and generous. And I thank you for that. You've been generous and, and gracious. I mean, honestly, Having to de navigate all this, we're all so exhausted of this COVID thing and just like make every time there's, you know, a new development, cases are rising, cases are declining, we have to make new decisions around it. I know there's all, there's every time it's a fresh opportunity to get like angry phone calls and emails <laughs> about what we are or aren't doing. And that's okay. If that's the worst thing I ever face, that's the, that's a really easy life. But nonetheless, I would just say thank you for being like a gracious community that I mean, there have been some awkward conversations, but on the whole, I just feel like, yeah, people are just, they just are trusting and flexible, and I know there's people in this room who would play it more safe or play it more adventurous, and that's okay too, and we're all just, you know, making do of a weird situation. That's been a blessing to me. I've, I've heard of pastors, like, basically giving up pastoral ministry during this season, and I don't, I don't say that like, oh, because they're so weak or whatever, but like it, because it actually has been so toxic and so like demoralizing to try to navigate these things. And that hasn't been my story. You know who, who's to credit for that? You all. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. Um, despite tough weeks here and there, it has just been such a joy and an honor and a blessing to get to be your pastor through this time. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus.
So I could go on, but I'll stop there. I would just say this, this season, people, people have asked me, you know, oh man, what's it like to, to pastor, like, you know, to have planted this church basically in the pandemic? Has that been like horrible? Is that a nightmare, Was, you know? And honestly, I know, I know other churches have had, have had struggles and that, that's not surprising. That doesn't mean they're doing anything wrong or whatever. But honestly, I can, I've said it and I, I'll say it today. And maybe it's gonna change next week, I don't know. <laughs> Every week's a new week. But this season, this first year and a half, I can say with confidence, it will not be remembered by me primarily as like for the anxieties or the hiccups or the struggles, but actually as, as one of the seasons in my life where I've seen the most amazing provision of God. That's the truth. I've said that to some of you privately, like this is actually one of those seasons that I will look back on in times of doubt, and I'm gonna have times of doubt just as you are, just as I have, just as you have. There will be more, but this will be one of those seasons where I can look back on in moments of doubt and say, you know what, God worked, and, and he is alive, he's real, and he's good. That's how I feel. And some of you might not feel that way. You might feel like, oh my gosh, this church has been a drag through this pandemic. And that's okay. Like, like, like that, I, I mean that. Like, we don't presume like everything has gone smoothly or whatever. Like, some of you may have a totally opposite experience and you're just hanging on by a thread. And I, like, actually, I want to hear about that. I'd love to just grieve with you and pray with you and process that. I don't presume this is every, how everyone is responding to the last year and a half but I say honestly that that's how I am. And I thank you all and I thank the Lord uh, that he's made it so. Um, so all that said, uh, I actually really don't just want it to be me sharing um, about these things. So we're, we're a community um, and I, I want us to hear from one another. We're not gonna get to hear from everybody. We got childcare downstairs. We have to make sure that we're cognizant of and not keep them all morning. Uh, but just for, Maybe, maybe, you know, 10 minutes or so. Um, maybe, maybe seven people or so is what I'm thinking. I might have to cut it shorter than that. If, if we're long-winded, cut it uh, shorter than that if nobody comes and shares. <laughs> but, um, but just a few people, and I'll, I'll basically, after each person, I'll kind of, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know if we have to cut it short. But um, I would just want to open this mic up. Uh, we, it's the luxury we have of being a small church right now and even being a smaller subset of our church in this room right now, uh, that we can actually do something like this. Um, so I would just invite you to come up. Here's the prompt. Just share a short memory that inspires gratitude for something God has done through, in, or for our community over our time together. Whether you've been here for two months or whether you've been here for a year and a half, um, just something, just a short thought. And it, it can be something dramatic, but I'm, I'm honestly guessing most of it will be something small, something simple. Uh, and that is just as good. That's the way God works most of the time in most of our lives is just through the small and the simple. But we praise him for it nonetheless. Um, and to be very clear, this isn't like gratitude for me as one of the pastors here. This is gratitude for what God has done through and in and for our community. Um, so this is risky. Maybe a little awkward, um, but it's one of the things we can do uniquely at this stage of our church's life. So we should take the opportunity. 
So I'll stop us when the time comes, but I'm gonna adjust this mic, I'm gonna stand up here, and I would say, would anybody like to share with your brothers and sisters something that's some way in which the Lord has encouraged you? Yeah, go for it, man. Can y'all hear me? All right, my name is Juan Perez. I usually sit in the back and leave early, so not a lot of y'all talk to me, but I know some of y'all, I've been blessed enough to, to meet some of y'all, so I used to go to the, uh, the Southeast branch, um, then COVID hit, there was a weird space, and then I started coming here through some friends. I know uh, some of you know Sean Dino um, and a couple other people that I, that I connect with. So um, I came from North Carolina. I was from here, went there, came back about two years ago uh, just to be closer to family, look for some opportunities near them. And it's been kind of a rockyish two years, right? The job that I came for did not turn out to be what it was supposed to be. Um, spent some time at Amazon, not ideal. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of other things, you know, jobs, friendships, relationships, uh, a lot of poor dating experiences, things like that. And, you know, it's been, it's been a heck of a two years. And then in the last probably three, four months, I mean, the Lord has really just poured out blessing on me. And so uh, I met my now fiance, soon to be um, wife. I, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, was lucky enough to, I actually just picked up a, a, a position training the military at JBLM over in Washington, like 10 minutes from my family, was able to buy a house, was able to do a lot of great things. And so, you know, the, the support of this community, my friends from this community, um, it's just been instrumental to me and to, you know, to my fiance and to our future life. So just wanted to, to share that praise uh, to the Lord and, and share it with all of you. So thank you. Oh, she was clapping. I'm Jack, and uh, as community groups come up here, I wanted to share a fond memory. Um, when church had to shut down, the community groups continued to meet in people's backyards, and our community group continued to meet in a backyard uh, throughout the summer, and we were able to provide for each other uh, emotionally and spiritually through the questions the church sent out to, to uh, continue studying the sermon. And also, there were a lot of life changes during uh, the pandemic, <laughs> and I know that three of the people who were in our community group then are now expecting kids again. And it's just, a, you know, life continues, even though we are not able to meet. So um, I encourage you all to join community groups. They're, they're tighter um, forms of the church where you can form lifelong friendships that uh, our community group will never forget because it was a wonderful experience this last COVID run. Yeah. Awesome. All these babies are so talky. I yeah, I was like, oh, it makes me nervous, but I have a little guy to get the nervous energy out, so <laughs> no one knows. Um, so my memory is of like the first two weeks that we were meeting here. Um, we were a church that when we worshiped, there was buzzing energy. People were clapping and cheering and saying hallelujah. And I was like, maybe we'll be finally a church that is more like Luis, you know, saying hallelujah <laughs> all the time and being really boisterous. I loved it. And, you know, we've gone a little somber since then. So <laughs> <laughs> It was supposed to be an encouragement. I re well, I remember it fondly. And there's still things that the Lord is doing that we can have 
joy for. So I think that's what I remember is the joy that we can still mm. have because God is still doing things, even though it's not a buzzing brand new church plant. It's still a church plant that's surviving during COVID. So we could definitely have some hallelujahs, I would say, still. So, amen. Yeah, hallelujah. amen. Uh, this church is really special to me. Like, I, I grew up uh, in, in, a, in a very, like, I wouldn't say atheist, but extremely agnostic. Uh, and I've been steeped in drug addiction, alcohol uh, abuse, um, just had a rough life, put myself in a lot of bad situations. Uh, and I actually found this church. I came to faith uh, in a treatment center a long time ago, just me and a Bible. It was the only thing I had left after I destroyed my life. And I gave up at that moment, you know? And uh, I, I was like, okay, so I didn't know what to do, obviously. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, uh, I picked up the Bible and read Acts 9 related to Saul, which I found out is actually a pretty common experience. Um, and uh, I started, I went on YouTube and looked up YouTube videos and I found a guy named Tim Mackey. I was like, okay, cool. So I, I was watching some of his teachings and I was watching him in this building on that board there. Uh, and I. <laughs> And I looked up uh, where they're at now, so I went over to uh, the other church, and uh, I got baptized here. Um, and that's a really special memory for me. It's, you know, my life didn't suddenly change. You know, a dove didn't appear from the clouds, and, like, my life was all better. But uh, that's where it started, you know. And um, I look back on that moment with a lot of gratitude. With, you know, that new baptism became, came a lot of struggles. The enemy kind of, like, really got a hold of me um, and put me in a position where I needed help, extra help. So I went to the harbor, man. I came here, and uh, man, it's just this place has been such a blessing to me, man. Um, I have a special place in my heart for this for this church because it's just where where my journey started. Um, so I look forward to like being a part of the future of this church. You know, I look forward to being a part of the community, a part of um, what goes on here. So uh, my name is Dylan, man. So if you ever you know come talk to me. <laughs> I'm Ryan. Um, we were just so enormously blessed to be introduced to a family that we had known th through Door of Hope for a long time, but like in every single avenue of our life, there was overlap that just started happening. Our kids went to the same daycare, Ben and I went to the same work, they moved into the same neighborhood, and then ultimately we're at our house church, and the Schultz family had, uh, has just been there proximally, but like emotionally and just, um, there's no doubt that the presence of them in our life and our community was a gift from God in this time. Um, and a specific memory was this, how having them near us allowed us to turn sours into sweets like when the power went out and we were able to have dinner together by lamplight just because we're in the same neighborhood and going through the same experience of not having heat and light that um, God gave us light and, and community warmth through them. So we just hope and pray that you all are able to find families to, to be that rock with you through the rest of this. Yeah, thanks man.
favorite thing about the church so far has been, um, well, with the pandemic taking all of the things away, um, just being able to be in each other's lives, like really unfiltered and organically, whether it's like being with families through job loss or family loss or anything like that. Um, we hosted a community group in our yard that was an actual construction zone. <laughs> um, and just being able to just like, I don't know, take any pretenses off of um, church life and family life together even. I mean, I have a little kid that's climbing the stairs right now. <laughs> like just being able to be with everyone's families, um, kids running around, just getting to see each other raw and true in the name of Jesus, I think has been my favorite thing. And I hope that as we start adding more back into our lives, like we really maintain that, um, just being able to share our true selves with our community. I think maybe time for two more, if we got them. Two more. Hey, buddy. Well, uh, since he won't go in childcare, he can just be faced with all the adults instead. Um, <laughs> I wanted to thank Cameron specifically for, sorry, this probably is easier, um, for uh, when we had our first week here splitting off, um, we wanted to have this little baby uh, dedicated, and we had had Tim Mackey dedicate our six-year-old daughter here in this same spot um, six years ago. And uh, I you know, emailed Cameron last minute, and he somehow fit that in with all the adjustments of completely starting a new church, and we were able to have that opportunity and have um, the grandparents here and be a part of like the whole um, post-church like potluck that we had that hopefully one day we'll get to have again. Um, so that's just really special, I think. And then also I just appreciate everybody's flexibility um, for anybody that has little kids and just all that we've been through over the last year of trying to like still have fellowship in the midst of um, this chaos and these like hard, <laughs> hard life stages. So I just think that's been really neat having, I feel like it's like really been like such an authentic um, fellowship time to be able to do that in the midst of like screaming and chaos, so. <laughs> Corey, I think you're the last one. <laughs> um, so I usually try to just sing because I have a stutter, so public speaking is always kind of breaking that, that fear. So here goes. Um, so my wife and I actually met at Door of Hope, and we lived here for about seven years, and it was just like a beautiful time. And then um, I was going to school, and then we ended up moving to California and then South Carolina, and we are in South Carolina. Uh, uh, Carolina for about two and a half years. And it was a really great time. We really settled in. And it felt just really peaceful and good. But we always missed it here. And then um, we just suddenly felt really prompted, um, and it felt crazy, to sell our house in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and move back to Portland. And we always missed it, like all of our best friends, all of our really tight communities here. And then we did it. Our house sold in like a day. Um, I realized that I just had Christmas break. Um, so we like packed up our house in like under two weeks and then left in, in, um, and then started driving across country 
it was all just crazy, this whirlwind. And then halfway here, I got a call that my mom was in the hospital with heart failure. And it just came out of nowhere, just out of complete nowhere. She was always super healthy. And this doesn't sound like a praise, but I wouldn't want to go through that kind of hardship anywhere else than with this community, with our friends here. And it's just crazy how the Lord, even how it's just been awful to see my mom go through that. The Lord's been doing so much like emotional and spiritual healing um, in the family that I come from through that hardship, I think. So that's a praise that even during the really hard times, the Lord is really looking out for us and he walks with us. Thanks. Well, we will stop it there. Thank you, everyone, for sharing. Beautiful. Super encouraging. Um, and that doesn't have to be the end of it. That's the beauty of community. We can continue to tell these stories uh, with one another as we're meeting one another, as we're uh, forming relationships. Um, and on that note, there's this beautiful practice uh, that the people of, of Israel picked up occasionally in the Old Testament. You'll read about it here and there just a few times. But when God had done something amazing uh, in their midst, the people of Israel would build a monument to help them remember. Um, because no matter, no matter how big or how small the act of God, once again, God knew and they knew, they would forget it. <laughs> they would forget it. So listen to this story just real quickly from Joshua chapter 4, after God had stopped the flow of the Jordan River to allow the people of Israel to pass into the Promised Land after 40 years in the wilderness. So, so big miracle, almost like the Exodus, the water stops and they're able to cross over the Jordan into it. And here's picking up in Joshua 4. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded. They took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua and they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. Skipping ahead. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. 
so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So as we close, my challenge to you is to find some way to mark God's faithfulness to us that you might remember it for years to come. It can be as simple as a journal entry or just a note on a random piece of paper that you put somewhere, you know, keep somewhere intentional. Or maybe it's something more creative. Maybe you want to go dig up some big rocks or some kind, I don't know. But whatever it looks like, um, I, I just challenge you as, as this moment of reflection, our time as a church community, to um, step into that great tradition of, of working to remember the goodness of God that we might be encouraged when tough times come, which might be next week, might be next month, might be next year, but they'll come. That we might remember his goodness that is to come for those who are in Christ. He's been good to us and he will be good to us. Whatever happens at the door of Hope Northeast, and I pray we're a church for a long time. I think we will be. But whatever happens to this church, he will be faithful to you and us. He has good in store. How do we know? Because he has been. He has been. Amen.